The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. I love that intro. We saw it last week. We've seen it one other time. Um, Glad you guys are with us. You're wondering what in the world is he getting up here. So you're going to see I'm going to make a mess. Hopefully I'm probably going to break a glass this morning, so you might want to stay tuned with that. Um, I've got these powerful tools right here. They're rocks. So you'll see where they come in. Um, Some other things here. I haven't announced what we're talking about, so that's why I'm doing it this way. I have a notebook. We're going to go through all of the pages. Hope you're not hungry. This is a Rubbermaid container, just to be obvious. So why, what, what in the world are we doing? Well, first of all, welcome back. For those of you that know what we're doing with the elephant here, we're talking about items, topics that seem to be really getting pressed on in our culture and society today. And what is necessary for us as the church, as disciples of Jesus, is to know That yes, in fact, these things matter. And yes, in fact, the Bible, which is our standard, our measurement, gives us a position from which we can engage the culture around us. And last week, we spoke about identity. We spoke about the reality that our identity has been secured in the person of Jesus Christ. And our identity is no longer defined or open to be defined by the culture around us. We don't identify by where we go to work or what we do for our profession. We don't identify for our position within some social status. We don't even identify based purely on the fact that we are this color or that color. We identify with the reality that Jesus died on the cross because he declared that he would make us a people of his own possession. His blood would make us righteous. He would pay the cost with sacrifice. That was one of the words from last week. And he would sanctify us, setting us apart as his. That was the second word from last week. And we now have an identity that is given to us by Christ that is primary. I did not say those other things do not matter. I want you to understand they do, but first and foremost, they are not more important or worth the cost of sacrificing the identity in Christ. We specifically moved last week to the bride of Christ. We're considered his flock, we're considered a vineyard, we're considered his people, but we looked at the bride and we talked about the purity of the bride being essential. We spoke specifically about sexual purity. And I told you that this week we would be getting together and we would be talking about another topic that seems to have a lot of pressure on it right now, and that is the topic of marriage. And just so you know, if you're in here today and you're like, great, wasn't here last week, didn't hear the message, now I'm single and I'm here and he's going to talk about marriage. I have a lot for you to hear because the Bible has a lot to say to you as well. So don't think that you're going to miss out on sleep because you're going to be here for marriage. So marriage in our society is under attack. What do I mean by that? Well, in our society and culture, marriage is being put into this place of being fluid. It can be defined and shaped and moved. And as one of my daughters reminded me this weekend, it's 2020. Do you? You can laugh, Janae. 
So <laughs> you can do you. That's not true. You can behave within the identity of the bride of Christ, and the bride of Christ is going to uphold the standard of Christ, which is the word of God. Marriage, as the word of God has said, is one man and one woman, nothing else, nothing more, nothing different. And he made it that way. He made it that way on purpose. We heard last week that our job is to proclaim his excellencies. Our job, duty, I want you to hear the word duty, our, our duty is to be about the marvelous light that he has called us into. Marriage is his supreme example of that. And so, before we dive into Genesis, women, hear me. There is nothing greater, there is no higher calling than to be a wife and if allowed to be a mother. The society we're in today, the evangelical space we're in today, will come against you and they are saying to you that you should reject that and that message is from Satan, not from our Savior. You have a high calling from a king who has made you royalty and you can chase that calling. Men, the same is true of you. There is no promotion or profit that is more significant than the purpose of you being a husband and a father. Anytime those go out of order, anytime as a, as a woman you say, well, my kids will make it, they're good, we need to get this accomplished and I need to focus on my career, you have stepped away from the word of God into the narrative of the world. We were called last week as the bride to join him in his marvelous light to leave the darkness. So let's not go back there. Where does this all come from? Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1. That's the first book of the Bible. That's where God decided that this would start. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to begin in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to get there eventually. And you're going to see it hopefully on the screen. Yep, there it is. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion, that means rule of, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. God said male and female. It is an, an important thing as we look at our Bible to recognize that Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are telling the exact same story. We're going to see how the process of Genesis 1 goes about happening in Genesis chapter 2. But be clear, God said, male and female will have dominion. Who has dominion? Male and female. What will they rule over? Everything. 
That's important when we get to this space in Genesis 3. We're not going to spend much time there just talking about it. Where there was, a, there was something in the garden that seeked to deceive Eve, who had dominion. But let's go to chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 18. Find it for us. Then the Lord God said, and hopefully that's on the screen as well. Then the Lord God said... You should see in your text that the word Lord is all capitalized. I've talked about that in the past. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a helper. Say helper. Helper. Let's think about what that does not mean. That does not mean a competitor. That does not mean someone who causes grief. That does not mean I saw that Adam was having a need, so I wanted to make his life more difficult. Helper is a glorious call. It's a wonderful thing. It is a God-given thing. Fit for him. Not anybody else. Not any other creation fit for Adam. Now out of the ground, the Lord had God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Man had a job. He had a duty. He had a responsibility. He was to be busy before he even had a helper. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, it's lowercase here, and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is poetry. Now I need you to understand, guys, This is Adam who has now been working with the cows, looking at the chimpanzees, watching everybody do everything all around him, giving them names, having a way of establishing order, and nothing looks like him. Nothing sounds like him. They actually smell worse than him. And so the reality is, woman. He is declaring poetically how blown away he is with the created helper that creator God has brought to him who is from him. Men, this is how you behold your wife. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, capitalized. That means something. Because she was taken out of man, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Say wife. And they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. One of the greatest verses in the entire Bible. You can laugh. It's supposed to be funny. It's okay. Sex is a reality. It's part of marriage. It's a glorious piece of marriage. It is something that we should celebrate One of the unfortunate things that has happened over the years is that we've made marriage to be something that it's not. How many of you have ever heard the line, you can raise your hand if you want to, how many of you ever heard the line, oh, the old ball and chain? The Bible doesn't describe it that way. Oh, man, 
You gave up all your freedom for that? Guess who's just as guilty of saying that as the world? So often it's the church. When in reality, we should be celebrating that God has brought two together to make more magnification of his glorious light, the person and work of Jesus in their lives. It is absolutely important that we understand that God created Adam and Eve, and he said that it was good. That declaration means done. That's what that means. It's done. There's no more opportunity here. Marriage is man and woman. It is done. It is good. Adam is delighted to have his helper. So we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. Before I go there, I want to talk to you a little bit about two more words to add to our words from last week. Last week, we talked about sacrifice and sanctification and that in order for us to be set apart, chosen by Christ, Jesus had to die and pay a price. That was sacrifice. That was an ultimate example. It's something that we will continue to look at. He sanctified us, and we said that sanctification has two meanings. First, it is regenerative, meaning that it is a new birth. So you are actually born again with new desires, new hope, new orientations. However, it is also growth. And within that growth, I want to introduce two more words. The first one is security. Say security. The second one is significance. Say significance. I am completely convinced, and while I hold this pretty tightly, I'm willing to, to, to hear your, your challenges afterwards, but I am completely convinced that God has designed women with a chief need of security that is primarily found in him and fulfilled through the work and office of his hus- or her husband. The second, that significance, is the need of man. Two distinct things. Two fulfilled by two different roles. And you see, we've gotten confused. We've thought that the equality of our standing in Christ also means there's an equality in role. That's not the case. We're going to see why that matters. So I have a notebook here. We're going to talk about a word here in a minute that the world doesn't like. It's submit. Some of you might cringe a little bit when you hear the word Submit. Women are called to submit. That should not be a bad thing. It should not be a negative thing. It shouldn't make you cringe. But it's going to take some work. And so in here, I have some words you may or may not be able to see that women in our society hear a lot that are completely meant to skew their identity. This is certainly not all-encompassing but ugly. Guys, I know you hear this a little bit as well, but you don't hear it the same way. I've been a guy my whole life. I can speak to that. Not worthy. You'll notice that these things are written on these pages in such a way that they bleed through to the next page and the next page. And it starts to change how the paper looks And if there was something to be written here, it would be hard to read because what I'm trying to read, I can't read because what is here. And that's something I'm identifying with. But Jesus has said no. But then the world brings something else. Loser. 
Maybe you've heard that. You're in high school. You've probably had to deal with some of that. Here's one that hits close to home. Too fat. I have two daughters. They are beautiful. I'm very proud of them. I love them. They know what this means. That's not fair, but it's there. Maybe it's this way because you, you poor ladies also deal with this. Too skinny. Completely identifying you in a category that you do not belong to because you have been redeemed by Christ. But this is what you're carrying to marriage. These are the things you're carrying with you as you go. The man that is being brought together with you is going to have to look at some of this and figure it out. Here's one that might hurt, sting a little bit. Ho. I know in this room there are women who have heard this word and identify with that statement. But God. You see, the beautiful thing about sacrifice and sanctification is that all of these pages that we just looked at, all of these things... Jesus comes into the picture. He says, no. He says, chosen. Chosen. Those, those don't identify you. Those are not who you are. Those are things that have been redeemed because my blood has made you new. So we look at that. Okay, what does that mean? Well, if I'm chosen, I'm also sanctified. That means somebody picked me. Jesus picks you before your husband does. Newsflash. That's how that works. So you're sanctified. Here's this beautiful thing, and we're going to hear this word a lot, and when we read our instructions to men especially, you are loved. Women, hear me today when you look in the mirror. When you look on social media, when you look to the world to give you information that is not true, that is harmful, you need to go to the Word of God and hear the Word of God say, you I sacrificed for, you I sanctified, and you I love. And if you are married, you are going to be called to submit. What does that mean? That means... That there's someone else holding a pen that's coming to your life. You see, sanctification is a process of growth. Now, I just showed you some pages with words written on them. Did the notebook itself write those words? No, something else did. But a saved person, regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God, is now in a position to offer. You as a wife are offering the man to whom you are married or will be married better be sanctified as well. Because can this marker write any words by itself? If this marker is not animated by the Holy Spirit because it has been redeemed, what is it going to do? There's some people here with a lot of talent. But if I gave this marker to my son Nolan, who's almost two, what is he going to do with this marker? It will be destructive. We would have to fix floor and wall both in a matter of moments. And he would say, look, women, let me encourage you 
that as we go to talk about submission, you are saying, I trust my Savior who brought me my husband, and I am going to allow my husband to use his gift to help write our story. Because men can never do anything just by themselves unless they have something to write on. But to allow what is written on these pages to be seen and to be championed is a choice of submission. And so ladies, I'm asking you today as we get ready to read these passages that we're going to look at, when you hear the word submit, keep this in mind. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. 21 comes before 22. And the reason it comes before 22 is because Paul is framing for us a very necessary position before we get into a very difficult conversation. And he's going to tell us all, this is written to the church, this is everybody, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what's the first word, submitting? Who are we submitting to? You can say it. Christ. This comes first. This has to be first. This is first both for husband and for wife. But then Paul's going to continue. We need to see how he continues. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. Wives submit, say submit, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head, say head, What is that meaning, the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church? That means that the husband is your representative. This is a position of authority. This comes directly from the understanding of what took place in Genesis chapter 3. We will remember that the serpent deceived Eve. Eve handed some fruit to Adam. Adam took the fruit. Adam failed his job. He abdicated his role. That's important. But then something significant happened. God showed up in the garden. He's taking a walk. Adam and Eve, as the Bible reads, knew that he was there. They were afraid. You see, sin often invites fear. Sin is like a residue for fear to grow on. And so they're afraid. God starts talking to them. God asks a question to Adam. He did not ask Eve. He asked Adam because Adam is the representative. He is the head. So is Christ for us. He is our intercession. Husbands, hear that. Of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church's body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits, there's that word again, to Christ, that's what we were called to do in verse 21. So also, wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Everything. It's a pretty big word. Peter would say it like this in 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter and Paul tend to align on things often. Likewise, wives be subject. How good does that word feel? That feels a little, mm. But when we're looking at this command through the lens of the person of Christ who has redeemed, sacrificed and sanctified, the man that you are working life with, 
it changes how this goes. To your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Wives, submit, be subject to. Is that counter to what the message of the world says today? 100%. So let me cover some things that this is not saying so that you hear that really clearly. This is not saying that you follow your husband into willful sin. That's not what this is saying. This is not saying that you may never disagree with your husband. I hope for your husband's sake you disagree. (laughs) You are his helper. This is not saying that you remain in an abusive situation indefinitely just hoping it'll get better. That's not what this is saying. What it is saying is that you're going to do something. You're going to make a willful act, that sacrifice, the word from last week, to make him significant. Say significant. There is nothing more powerful for a man than for his woman to make much of him. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter how they act. You all can tell me all kinds of feedback about how I did, if I moved around, if I talked too much. Really does not matter in comparison to what my wife Alicia says to me. The weight of her words far outweigh the words of others. That is because God made her my helper. That is the call in when we see submitting. I'm submitting to Christ. Surely Christ has my best interest at heart because he died for me. He chose this man to be with me. We know that he has put us in life together. So in my submission, it is surrendering to the Savior for the significance of my husband. And that is hard because, guys, guess what? We make it hard. We make it really tough sometimes because we fail to recognize the struggle and the reality of what it is to try to do what they're called to do. I don't know about you, but I've done some dumb things. So I want to ask a question. This will be kind of fun. If you're in here today, and you're married, even if your spouse couldn't be here for whatever reason, and you're a husband, how many of you would be willing to be brave enough and actually stand up in your, at your seat and say, I could have done better at least once? Anybody here willing to stand up and do that? <laughs> guess what? I'm looking around. I'm looking around this room, and guess what I see? Wives sitting next to you. They're still there. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you for doing that. Wives are called to to submit, but there's a reason for that. And there's something they're called to submit to, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But please hear me, ladies. This is not taking away from your value or your worth. This is not making you something that you are not. This is actually you demonstrating a very beautiful thing because you are making much of your savior, savior by submitting. Now, this next example that we're going to go to is for you guys. Now, God has called us as men. Single guys, listen up. I've got some over here. I've got some back there. I can see you. Listen up. 
The world is going to give you a message that says, it's cool, be a beta male. The message that a beta male is okay is a message that Satan would like for you to believe. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, no, it's not. You know why? Because I have called you to protect and provide that which is most precious, which is your bride who is also my bride, and you can't do that if you're a beta male. Uh, I don't really want to. That'll hurt. Doesn't work. I'm talking about your emotions as much as I am talking about anything else. You are this Rubbermaid container. Pretty tough. Handle a lot. It could fall off the truck. If you're moving something, you get out, pick it up, get your stuff. It's okay. Inside of here, we have some insulation. This is how you love your wife. This is how you care for your family. Because inside of here is also your wife. This is an incredibly strong, incredibly capable, I would call it beautiful, some would not, glass that is filled and poured out and filled and poured out and filled and poured out and filled and poured out. Every day, all day long, this is how women endure life. But God has said, I'm entrusting you with this which is fully capable and fully able, but it is yours to care for, and I'm placing it here. Keep it safe. Protect and provide for it. Because every time I need that cup to come out, I'm going to expect it to be in good shape. So God put it there. And men, we protect that. We put that on here. We're, we're buttoned up. We're in pretty good shape. That hurt a little bit. But I'm not going to my job and saying, I need to take more hours. That's not where I'm going to find my significance. No, my significance is captured in here. The world comes at it, comes at it. They're attacking what's inside. They want at it. They want to destroy her because she's beautiful. She's chosen. She's sanctified and she's loved. But here's what happens, guys. We're like, yeah, you know, it's okay. We're good. I can go home. I can turn on my computer. I can look at a little bit of porn because it's not that bad. This is sin. We're going to call it porn. You heard it go right into the glass. Cool. We're all right. That was a little bitty rock. No big deal. I'm going to abdicate again as a man. That means I'm going to give up my position of authority I mean, this lady at work makes me feel so good. I just feel really special. That's how foolish you actually sound to your wife when she hears about it later, which will happen. That's how that works. It's another sin. Hey, maybe you were blessed with children. Children are exhausting. They remain exhausting for life. Fair story, because my parents tell me that. I'll be 40 this year. I still wear them out. So the reality is, as a parent, you care. As a father, you have been given a position in your home to be a shepherd of the home and care for the children, help the children, raise the children, train the children alongside the helper that you have. I'm going to watch Center instead. That's called sin. The Bible does not care for sin. All right. We got some sin in there. Let's see what happens here. 
Has the world been tough for you this year? I think the answer is yes. Things hurt. Things have changed. Jobs have been lost. Society has gone nuts. But a couple belonging to Christ, sanctified as the body and bride, brought together as husband and wife, should be okay. Except maybe if there was just that little bit of sin. What do you think just happened when the world hit really hard? How many of you have seen it? What's that? That's what happens when men say, I'm a beta male. That's what happens when men say to a wife who has chosen to submit and they disregard what we're getting ready to read. Single guys, this is why you're not with someone because you have not figured out how to live your life in the purity that you are called to and the worthiness that you have been given in Christ. Instead, you are fighting with a sin that you have been given victory over. God's not going to bring to you that which you turn out like this. Now, here's the wonderful thing. All of these pieces in the hands of a Savior, he would slowly pull back out. And he would say, I can put it back together. And here's the wonderful thing about it. Women have this incredible strength to say, you know what, that hurt, that really hurt. I've raised my voice. I've said things that were out of line. I have hurt my wife. It may not be this broken. But Jesus says, you know what, if you'll repent, and you'll allow me to be the creator that I am. I can put these pieces back together. And I'm going to fill all the cracks with my blood. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to make much of my light. And that picture is going to show the world the power of my redemption. If you're here and you're single and you're a man, hear that. If you're here and you're single and you're a woman, understand that until you can trust a man to not let the rocks in, you probably shouldn't trust a man to take you to dinner. Spend time with you, and you better not get in his bed. Because all he's going to do is break and scribble like Nolan with this marker. We're going to carry on here. Ephesians chapter 5, moving into some new verses. This is for guys. There's more verses for guys than for women. If you notice, my illustration was a little more dramatic. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Guys, if you're a guy here, say, die to live. Say it. I want to hear you say it. Die to live. Die to live. That is what you're called to. That he might sanctify her. Sanctify. Say the word. Chosen. That's what he had to do to choose her was die having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. What did we read in Revelation 19 last week? Except that the bride had been given the ability to come adorned in beauty with pure garments. That is the work of Christ. In the same way, husbands should love, that word keeps coming up over and over and over and over, their wives as their own bodies. He who loves 
his wife loves himself. If I see a marriage that seems to be struggling, a relationship that's not going well, not with 100% certainty, I'll go with 99. 99% of the time, the man needs to have a conversation with another man. And he needs to get some guts and have some accountability because he's not loving like he's called to love. And it's very difficult, I would argue near impossible, for a woman to fulfill her call to submit to a man who will not love as Christ has loved. We'll notice a command that came to us in Genesis. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And then Paul concludes with a statement to us all. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We're going to come back to that one flesh, Christ in the church. We're going to look at what Peter says. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Guys, say understanding. That word right here means ever learning. So We're going to have some fun again. It's the last thing I'll ask you guys to do. If you have been married... And you're here today with your spouse and you've been married longer than 15 years. Stand up, please. Been married for over 15 years. Wives, if you're looking at those guys that are your husbands and you would say, I would stand there, walk down the aisle again. Go ahead and stand up next to your man. Nobody even hesitated. That's pretty awesome, guys. First thing I want to do is for all of us that are not standing, give them a round of applause. Second thing, you guys can have a seat. How many of you have been married for under 10 years? Go ahead and stand up. Under 10 years. You just saw in this place people that have made it beyond 10 years. If you want to do your job, guys, ladies, if you want to fulfill your duty, who should you be talking to? You should be looking at those who are just standing and you should be saying, I need to understand how they made it to where they are. This is how discipleship actually takes place in the church. This is how things get from one year to 60 plus, I have some relatives that are almost probably right there. Maybe next year, if they both make it with their health, they'll celebrate 70 years of marriage. You can have a seat. This is how that happens. Peter's going to say some more here. Understanding way, learning every day, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Weaker is in no way negative or derogatory. Weaker simply means different. This glass was fully capable of being a glass. This glass still possesses redemption. It is still belonging to a savior. But when it is not treated with honor, this is what the world sees when 
you pull out the glass. We don't want that to happen. Understanding way can be very practical, guys. How many of you could say without a shadow of a doubt, we have some people here that have been married more than 20 years, I know, that on any given day, at any given time, I can ask my wife where she wants to eat and I will have an answer like that. They don't know either. (laughs) You have a job to figure that out, to understand that. But you know what's sad? I've been in a lot of men's conferences. I've done a lot of different things like that. The number of men that I've sat down with and asked them, can you tell me your wife's favorite color? Why would I need to know that? Okay, okay, let's make it a little bit easier. What is her favorite flower? What are flowers? Not cool, guys. Not cool. Let's go even worse. What color are your wife's eyes? Uh, uh, I mean, she's got them. I think I am very safe to say that the women that are here today and listening would love to be loved in such a way that when you ask their man what their favorite flower is, They've learned and understood that it's this, that, or another. Something to consider, something to think about. You see, men, in order for us to fulfill this today, we have to reject passivity. We have to say no to the world's narrative of, eh, I'm just the dummy on TV. Haven't you seen the sitcoms? No, that's spewage from Satan. That's not the Christian mandate for a man. You're not a buffoon. You are a glorified representative of royalty from heaven here on earth to show the world the light of Christ. You do that by loving your wife and serving her. Women, for this to happen, you've got to submit. You have to be willing to come under the headship of your husband. These things require sacrifice. It's going to hurt. Sacrifice is the longest way to spell love, but this is love. It takes love to make your man significant. Men, it takes love to make your women secure. That doesn't mean they're just safe from the bad guys. That means things like their, your financial position. That means things like when they get in their car, they can get from point A to point B because you've made sure that vehicle is reliable. Those of you that are dating, even some of you husbands, some of you guys over here on that row that I can see, you want to know something you can do to help give your wife evidence that you're willing, your future wife, the willing evidence that you're going to sacrifice? If their tank isn't full, go fill it up. Go fill it up. It's that simple. This is what we're called to do. This is incredibly simple but incredibly hard. If you've listened to this all and you're like, I'm single, you said some things, but it doesn't really matter. Well, guess what? If you're single and you're here and you're listening, the church, who is the bride of Christ, is your place to exercise these duties. How are you serving her? How are you caring for her? How are you giving evidence of your willingness to die to live? 
Ladies, how are you surrendering in submission to the church? How are you acting in a way that represents the body and bride of Christ? Those are your things to consider. If you're pursuing or in preparation of dating, I want to take one other thing from this that you can walk out of here with. I want to dispel a myth that's been around a long time. It was around when I was a teenager. I want to get rid of it because we're talking about marriage, so we're going to kill it today. There is no perfect person for you. Period. God sanctifies, and so when God brings an imperfect woman and an imperfect man and puts them together, he makes perfect that union. Stop making excuses that you can't be with this person because they didn't match up to this. The standard is right here. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how much money they make or what their future might be. I don't care what their career aspirations are. The word of God says that marriage is magnificent. You should pursue it. Stop making up phony excuses. Let yourself experience the wonder of oneness that is there. Sex is an enormously awesome thing. You don't hear that from the pulpit very often. But guess what? It is only enormously awesome when it is done the way that God has prescribed for it to be done. Otherwise, it is the most condemning thing you can possibly participate in. Period. Don't get them out of order. But stop living your life saying, well, guess I'm going to be 40 now. Haven't found the right person. I dated that girl and, you know, her earlobes were uneven and I just can't handle that. Stop. Stop doing that to yourself. Instead, start looking at the people that you have the the opportunity to be with and saying, could we make more of Jesus together than we do by ourselves? Could we magnify our declaration of his excellencies if we were together? If the answer is yes, you have a good place to start. If they look at you and you're like, who's this Jesus? Leave. It's not your job to save them so you can date them. If you think that it is, you are wrong. So quit. That's a little bit for you single people. I'm going to keep moving on. As we said last week, Jesus set an example for us. In sacrifice, he sanctified. In that sanctification, he chose. In sanctification, we grow. In that growth, we have an opportunity in marriage to glorify the person of Jesus Christ and his work in our lives. We do that by sacrifice, making much of the security of our wives and the significance of our husbands. That is how we fulfill the duties of marriage. This is what it takes. God has equipped us by the indwelling Holy Spirit to do these things. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And as they do, simple questions as challenges, like I did last week. Today, first, would you be willing to ask yourself, am I submitting to Christ? in my life right now. We need to begin there because that's where the Bible begins. Second, am I submitting to Christ and how I love my spouse if you're married? And last, would you be willing to say, Holy Spirit of God, show me where I can submit and sacrifice to make much of you in my marriage and then have the guts to obey.
I'm going to ask you to do that, have the guts to obey. I love you guys. Thank you for the time. I will get this out of the way.